0: You are Locked On Horn Frogs. Your daily podcast on the TCU Horn Frogs, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, everybody. Josh Neighbors here, Locked On Big 12 Podcast. Joining us today, Stephen Simcox of Locked On Horn Frogs. Today's show is brought to you all by NetSuite from Oracle. Best way to to get your business running and humming right now, like a uh, recruiting season. Uh, check it out, NetSuite by Oracle. Going to talk some recruiting today with Steven, that coming up after this. You are Locked On Big 12, your daily podcast
1: on the Big 12 Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: Once again, Josh Neighbors here with Stephen Simcox of Locked On Horn Frogs. Uh, Stephen, recruiting day, well, signing day, the old one, used to be a big deal. Now we've got two of them with the early signing period. Uh, So enjoying the craziness while we can because it could change. But pretty big day in the Big 12. We'll get to all of that here in a second. But the big news, obviously, was the flipping of, I believe it was what – ESPN's number two recruit, 24-7's number one recruit, uh, Travis Hunter, who decided to commit to uh, – he was committed to Florida State. By all accounts, had a lot of input – or not input, but a lot of effect on recruiting some of Florida State's class. And then Deion Sanders is able to flip him and get him to go to Jackson State. So um, Deion Sanders had said he had something big coming. This was it. And uh, – the internet
1: kind of broke once at least college football Twitter broke once that happened. It sure did. I mean, that was like when Jackson State hired Dion, that was the book on it. Like they're going to get players that they would never get before. But I don't think anybody thought the number one player in the nation, at least by the two, four, seven, you know, ranking process, would make that decision. This is also largely influenced by Barstool Sports, who has given him, I believe, you know, like a million dollar NIL deal. Um, of course, that backing all comes from Dion and his involvement with, with Barstool and his involvement just in the media world. But Dion was a candidate for the TCU job. Like, he got an interview. There were mm-hmm. some other Power 5 jobs that he's come up for. And, I mean, some people think that's a joke. Like, I don't know how great of a coach he actually is, but I know that he can get guys there, and talent acquisition is a big part of the game. So I'm not sure if this is going to be a huge trend. Um, but I think it's intriguing simply because – when we first started talking about name, image, and likeness. Everybody just sort of thought, okay, well, it's just going to be the rich getting richer, which it might end up long term being that way. In Texas A&M, they had a great day. I know they're not like they're not a small school, but they're also not necessarily the first blue blood you think of in the SEC. They found a way to kind of leverage this um, with all their oil money into you know getting some mm-hmm. some kids that they normally wouldn't. So maybe there's some parity that comes from this. I, I'm curious to see what he does. Um, how much of a spotlight he gets there at Jackson state. Like I know you can be seen and found anywhere now, but as a corner, I just wonder like how often people are going to tune in to watch him play. It's almost, it would almost be better if he was like a QB, you know, but good for him getting a payday and good for uh, Dion and Jackson state for securing someone who's going to possibly get some more talented players there and really change the culture there.
0: Yeah. And I've been listening to a, you know, several things about this, listen to Cover 3 and Split Zone 2, and just kind of uh, try to absorb people's thoughts about this, and there are so many different angles. Now, you know, the thing uh, with the the Barstool and the NIL deal, you know, I don't think anything's set in stone yet, Um, but there's several ways they could go about this, right? Barstool could do a tracking series, right? You know, they do a a, a YouTube series about the kid, right? And, And following him and also, for Barstool, this is big because Barstool, their biggest criticism is that their owner, Dave Portnoy, has said things, and this is a direct quote, that Colin Kaepernick looks like a terrorist, right? That, to me, is racist. You know it's not racist, or at least publicly makes you not look racist, is, you know, helping Deion Sanders secure the biggest recruit in HBCU football history, That is, you know, it's, and I'm not trying to knock Barstow over doing it. Like, this is an important moment. This is a big moment for HBCU football. Um, I have doubts about it being recreatable at other places, right? I don't think, you know, I don't think Hugh Jackson, I forgot what job he took, but I don't think Hugh Jackson's going to start pulling people in. And Eddie George has been at Tennessee State for a little bit now. We haven't seen that happen. Um, Dion might be a special case, right? I think Dion with his, you know, being, Deion Sanders, um, and also, you know, kind of the spotlight he's got. I mean, you watch sports programming on any given day and you're likely to see a Deion Sanders commercial, whether it be, you know, um, Allstate. I forgot he's involved in, I think a sh- he's got shaving cream one too. I mean, he might, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not sure which one it is. It might be Gillette. Um, but he is, you know, he's very involved. So you're probably going to, and there's Allstate commercials with him and Saban are like on every, every single, every single day. Mm-hmm. So you know, he has got that appeal. I don't know if this is recreatable. Um, and I'm sure some kind of NIL thing is coming for Travis Hunter down the line. But um, this, you know, this is, this is really interesting. Now it kind of brings up the idea of if a coach is tied to a certain, and once again, it's not happened yet. Like they, you know, it's just been rumored about what Barstool's involvement is going to be and Penn gaming's involvement is going to be, but it kind of brings up this weird gray area of like, okay, you know, NIL is fine, but what happens if the coach is, certain, is tied to a certain entity and they're using that with the coach to get people? Is that crossing a line? Do they have to make some kind of legislation about that? Or is it like, you know what, it's all the same anyway? It doesn't matter if he's with the business or the business is in cahoots with him, you know, to, to get these players like the Texas NIL situation. Um, that, that
1: I think, is maybe the next step of kind of sorting some of this stuff out. Yeah, the lack of regulation is eventually going to be an issue. And I mean, that's like that's on the NCAA to a certain extent because they saw this coming down the tracks for years and And they did nothing about it (laughs) and nothing. And they're finally forced into a corner. But uh, yeah, you bring up a good point. Like, we don't really know how this works, how it's going to work, what the, um, you know, parties are and how interested they are. And also, I mean, you have all these schools now just creating slush funds essentially. I mean, uh, that's what UT is doing to a certain extent. SMU, I saw they came out with a $1 million, you know, yearly fund that's just going to, go back to the students in one way or another. Um, TCU is launching an NIL deal called Think NIL, and it just looks like the rest of them, which is, hey, let's put a bunch of money in a pot, and then we'll distribute it kind of evenly to all the players, and maybe that'll be something that can get folks there in recruiting. Um, I think it's good for the student-athletes. I just don't know how you oversee it and, you know, how how you kind of keep it from getting out of control. And it probably is just going to get out of control. We'll just have to. Live with the consequences, honestly. Yeah, the takes have been
0: interesting. I mean, you had Lane Kiffin. We, you know, we actually talked about it the other night um, when you were MIA. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, you were on dad duty. We talked about it the other night. You know, Lane Kiffin's comments about well, we just have free agency now. And then we also had Jimbo Fisher on Paul Feinbaum saying, "Well, there's been, you know, this has been around. This is not new. Like this is not people acting like this is all new. It's, it's just out in the open now. Really, is is kind of the big deal now." Um, and it makes people feel it people are squirming about this right now, which I find really interesting, which is like you all you all have known this is going on. You've been fine with it, but as long as it's been it's as it's been hid to you all, and you guys can kind of, you know, tell yourselves, well, there's some of this, but it's not as widespread as we thought. No, this is like this is how it works. Now just people can put this into, you know. Funds and nil funds and to, and to promise people fifty k if you're a lineman and you show up like it it's made people squirm. Now you know it, once again I think like all things if it's out in the open we got to find some way to to regulate this. Um, if you're going to do it this way, mostly to shut people up because I'm really tired of hearing people complain about it. But yeah, it's it's opened up kind of um, new pathways here, and we'll get into it as we see more things play out. A quick word here from our. Friends, once again, at NetSuite, this is it. It's the putt to win the tournament. If you sink it, the championship is yours. But on your backswing, your hat falls over your eyes. Is this how you're running your business? Poor visibility because you're still relying on spreadsheets and outdated finance software. To see the full picture, you need to upgrade to NetSuite by Oracle. Over 27,000 businesses have already decided to go to NetSuite and right now, through the end of the year, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind financing program to those ready to upgrade at netsuite.com slash locked on NCAA. Head to netsuite.com slash locked on NCAA for special end-of-year financing, uh, at the number one financial system for growing businesses. Once again, netsuite.com slash locked on NCAA. All right, Stephen, so let's get some of these Big 12 classes Um, I'm going to go with, and I know the transfer portal isn't totally set yet, but if you look at the overalls right now, uh, Texas is number four, and this has been a big point. I mentioned this the day, a short video about Quinn Ewers going to Texas, but this, this was why that everybody who said fire Sark fire Sark was totally wrong. Um, because, because. Look, like, this was coming, right? They were going to have a good recruiting class. And also, you know, I, I um, I'd mentioned this, and I also think Brian Davis from the Austin American Statesman had this too, but even before the day really got going yesterday, they had 10 kids that are four-plus stars, uh, four-plus star recruits that were either offensive line, defensive line, or edge rushers. But you know what Texas' problem was? The defensive line didn't play particularly well. Their offensive line faded late. That's what they had to address, and they did. And I, I think now, you know, we've seen that we have seen the story before, right? But the next question is: all right, do you have a staff in place to go out and
1: develop these guys? We've seen the story before, and I get like people are making a lot of jokes, and people will make jokes about Texas until they actually prove it, and that's all fine and fair. Like, I'm not going to stump for UT. Um, I enjoy that they've underachieved as well, but <laughs> I will say, like, the getting guys up front is the big key to me. And they they had to pay for it. Like, they're doing this horns with heart um, for their offensive linemen, which is going to apparently net these guys about 50K a year. But having five-star O-linemen and four-star O-linemen, like Kelvin Banks, the kid from Houston, uh, Neto, the young man from Allen, who's a four-star O-lineman, having guys on the defense. Like, there's a lot of myths about SEC football, I think, and its supremacy. But one that I do feel like is just unequivocally true is they are better up front than anybody else. I mean, maybe the Big Ten, like the Big Ten has some teams that have a really good offensive line tradition and can always run the football. But you look at the offenses that Sark coordinated at Alabama, like so much of what they were doing predicated on the fact that they could run, you Mm -hmm. know, double moves and long developing routes with these wide receivers because the quarterback had time to just sit in the pocket and pick defenses apart. And Texas hasn't had that in the past. You also got a really good running back with John Robinson. Now, he'll only be there for one more year. I don't know how much they'll be able to get these young guys involved in that process. But you have a quarterback who, at least by, you know, the rankings, by the projection standards, is super, super talented. If you give him time to throw and he can be even better and live up to his potential, then, yeah, I think UT can be scary. Like, they have to do it. They have to develop their talent. But I just – I feel like if you continue to recruit like this, then you really have to screw things up. Like if if they can't find out a way to get this type of talent on both sides of the ball up front um, to at least a competent kind of like level where you should beat the teams – because the issue with Texas, Josh, is like Ohio State and, you know, Florida when they're rolling or Alabama or Georgia – Like, the talent you get there, and this should be the same for Texas too, you should win just eight or nine games based on that alone. Like, you should be able to just roll in and beat teams that, you know, don't recruit at that level just based on that fact. And then the other three or four games a year, whether it's that you play poorly and, you know, you have to find a way to win or the games against Oklahoma or, you know, when you move to the SEC, games against Alabama and some other teams in the SEC West, that's when the coaching needs to show up. Yeah. But but Texas hasn't had that. Like Texas has been sitting in, you know, five and seven or six and six land where they're still losing the games they shouldn't lose. So even if they can do that, that would be a step up. But um, I like what they're doing. And it's uh, they they always win the offseason. But this does feel different to me as much as it kind of pains me to say it. Like it feels like they're building something.
0: Yes, it is. And like I think the difference here is like they've got. I mean, I know people really did kind of like the last set of coordinators that people people really like Mike Jurisic too. I think especially from his time, you know, he had a really good run at Oklahoma State there. And and now I think people, uh, at least with Sean Clifford, kind of enjoyed the year he had at Penn State too. But um, you know, to me, it like Sark is a really good coach. Like we like we know he's a good coach. You mentioned it too. The the thing about the Alabama team was that, you know, they could run the ball also like they had the option because it felt like Bijan Robinson was getting a lot of his, a lot of his work done in the first half of games this year. And it felt like they were saying, Oh no, you know, we're getting a lot of second and eight, third and sevens. We got to throw the football. We got, we, we, You know? And the reason why is they weren't getting as good of a push up front. They weren't really, you know, making as many adjustments or teams were adjusting to them. And they weren't doing a whole lot to counter. And now I think when you continue to build on this personnel, like, this is what this is what Sark was talking about when he said we might have thirty some new guys in this year. It's because that last group of players in Sark didn't really they didn't mesh well. Now the, the big thing is now okay, there's this going to stop being excuses. Also, this group of players has had a chance that's currently there has had a chance to get their ass out of town if they want to, right? And so now the guys that are left are ostensibly guys that want to be playing for Steve Sarkisian after a year of having him being you know being the coach there a year of having them being coached by him. So those are the interesting factors when it comes to Steve, Steve Sarkeesian and, and how, kind of how this thing looks moving forward. I, I think you're right on all of that. The, the lines are where they have to win. And yeah, you're right. The difference between eight and nine wins and 10 and 11 is coaching, right? You got to coach yourself up to win that, that extra next set of games. Um, When I ask you about uh, just, you know, some of these other more towards the top classes, Brent Venables does a great job of salvaging that Oklahoma class. I think the big question for them is Caleb Williams, right? Does Caleb Williams end up staying or does he go? That is the next domino drop. But I will say in terms of coordinator hires, in terms of being able to salvage a a top 10 recruiting class, according to 24-7 Sports, Brent Venables doing a good job considering the circumstances.
1: He is, and I think, you know, the thing with BV is going to be – and I I saw some Oklahoma Oklahoma fans excited about this right now. Like, can you recruit both sides of the ball? I feel like Alex Grinch did a pretty good job kind of making making it work with the guys he had. But, okay, like we know at OU under Lincoln Riley, they could get wide receivers, right? Like they were going to get four- and five-star wide receivers. They were going to get good quarterbacks one way or the other, whether it be through the high school recruiting or through the transfer portal. Now can you start getting defensive linemen, linebackers, who can, you know, run the field, make things happen. But overall, I felt like you did a good job. I mean, they end up 10th, um, I think, in the, in the 247 rankings overall. You know, they were sitting in, like, the 50s at one point because they had so many guys decommit immediately after Lincoln left. So they scrambled really well, um, and they got the the guys they needed. They flipped some dudes from Clemson. Um, they They prioritized well and got it done, and we'll see if they have any more surprises between now and February, but it's going to be so strange, like seeing what the identity that team is now. And you're totally right. Like the Caleb Williams domino is the biggest thing to fall. Can they get him to stick around? But I mean, is OU immediately going to be, are they going to slow things down some? Like Jeff Levy's the OC. So you would think not, but what, what does this team look like um, when the fall rolls around? That'll be the intriguing thing to me is kind of, if they're more physical, if they're more hard nose, or if we see more of the, um, elite skill talent that they've thrown out there in the past. I've got to mention this on Texas. Stan Drayton, uh, running backs coach for them, is going to take
0: the Temple job. So pretty rare you have a 5-7 and seven season, and, and you also get to have a coaching tree start being built for Sark, which is interesting. Uh, at least Texas version of Sark is going to have a coaching tree built. So good luck to Stan Drayton uh, as he heads to Philadelphia to coach Temple. Uh, all right, quick word from our sponsors here so we, uh, before we look at some other classes. Today's show is brought to you by our friends at Boost Mobile. You listen to podcasts for the power of knowledge. You switch to Boost Mobile for the power of saving money because with Boost, you get the power of free 5 a free 5G phone so you can listen to all the latest podcast episodes like the Locked on Horn Frogs and Locked on Big 12 podcast. The power of 3 unlimited data lines for 30 bucks a month per line so your family can harness all that brain power as well and the power of one of America's largest 5G networks, so you can do uh, you can do everything you want to do at the speed of 5G. Switch to Boost Mobile and find out about all of these things right now. Get a free Samsung Galaxy A32 5G when you switch to one of America's largest 5G networks. More power to save. Boost Mobile free phone limited to new customers, one per line. Additional restrictions apply. Offers and coverage not available everywhere or for all phones and networks. See boostmobile.com. For more details, today's show is also brought to you by our friends at betonline.ag. BetOnline is the best place to get on all of the sports action right now. It's the number one spot, uh, once again, for all your your sports action this bowl season. They've got football, basketball, uh, baseball, futures, Formula One futures now the season's over, boxing, UFC, Vegas casino games. Uh, So don't wait to take advantage of our promo code right now. You go to betonline.ag You sign up. It's free to do. Use that promo code locked on l o c k e d o n locked on and receive a fifty percent deposit bonus upon your first deposit. Once again, promo code locked on at betonline.ag. BetOnline, online, it's where the game starts. A couple really interesting classes in the Big Twelve. We talked about Oklahoma State the other day with Eli Letterman here on this channel. Um, West Virginia and Iowa State also post top thirty classes. Baylor is top forty, um, and you know. Quick, quick note on Baylor here, Steven. Like, top 40 class, it's fine. You know, people might say, oh, I just won a Big 12 championship. Like, you kind of see those dividends next season. But also, it's one of these weird things where you need to make sure you play well next season, too, to kind of uphold the result because these kids could flip. If you're like, oh, you suck. If you just outright suck next year, like, that kind of says, you know, oh, wow. Uh, You you were behind the eight ball because you were wooing, you had to woo kids with your results this year coming off the two and seven, whatever it was, two and seven season previously. Now you're in the catbird seat saying we're a Big 12 champion. You kind of got to uphold those results in some way, shape, or form to net next
1: season on recruiting. You do. And Baylor's had a really interesting kind of few years recruiting-wise. So Matt Rule was like really – well, I think part of this too is Matt Rule was – looking for another job like he He was also
0: quite honest apparently about when he was when he was doing this which I appreciate I do appreciate that
1: yes he was honest with recruits about hey I'm not gonna be here forever but um anyway like his recruiting philosophy seemed to very much be like I'm gonna look for guys with NFL measurables um that maybe not everybody else is on like I'm not gonna waste my time trying to win battles against UT so their rankings were pretty low and then the Aranda staff like they were on fire his first off season before they started playing games. Uh, and then they lost a lot of those guys because as you said, like they finished two and seven, the season kind of fell apart for them. So yeah, I think you'll see the dividends next year. Um, and they don't have like, now that Maguire's left too, right. they don't really have anybody on that staff. That's just like a all-time recruiter. Like they have good recruiters, but not anybody that's really known for that specifically. Um, so I think they might always be as long as, as coach Rand is there, unless he hires some people that sort of fit this mold more, they might always be a team that kind of works on um, evaluation and development. development, Yeah. Yeah, Talent eval more than like, Oh, let's go get this, you know, four star uh, from wherever. But uh, yeah, I I feel like their pitch is gonna be a lot better with the fact that, you know, they won a big 12 title. I, I feel like we'll get, some sort of announcement about Dave Aranda and a contract extension in the coming weeks. I saw Mike Rhodes talking about that. They're still working out the paperwork that's getting done. So all those things will be helpful when they hit the recruiting trail for 2023.
0: Yeah. And what's interesting is, I mean, they've got a quarterback situation now in which they, they really actually don't have to go and get a, well, it's always nice to have something back, you know, something back there. You never know what's going to happen. But like they've got both Shapen and Bohannon now. If they keep both of them, not sure. But they should feel they they feel pretty confident in that. And I mean the thing on offense, like we saw it this year, how awful they're. And I, I'm sorry, but they were awful on the offensive line last year. And guess what? Bringing over, uh, you know, bringing over uh, Eric Mateos really really did help. And then Jeff Grimes too. I mean, I, I think their offensive line performance. We can all agree that they're not probably as bad as they were last year, and not as good as they were this year. They're somewhere in the middle. But the fact that they were able to elevate that performance, it shows you what you're talking about with that talent development. And the number one, you know, the guy in their class, uh, in this class at least, um, Armani Winfield is an offensive lineman. Oh, excuse me, a wide receiver. There, uh, mm-hmm. they've got the two of the top, uh, one of the top three guys is an offensive lineman, and then their second guy is an edge rusher. So, trying to build on the lines, uh, something they can do pretty well, but yeah, they can also get high level talent too. I mean, we've seen some of their wide receivers and whatnot um, do pretty well. All right. So down the line here, let's talk about TCU. They went with the strategy of firing their coach, Gary Patterson, to get Sonny Dykes. And then he comes in and they weren't able, like it was a done deal, but they weren't able to get him in as soon as they wanted to, because I guess, Mm -hmm. you know, his, where he was positioned like, in terms of the conference race or maybe him still trying to leverage more money or also TCU maybe not being 110% set on him saying, Hey, he's, you know, we, we know we can get Sonny. Let's kind of look elsewhere. They, I forget what day they announced him as the head coach. What day was it?
1: It was the Monday after the season was over. So, so they ended up early having, December,
0: early, which December. is a problem because they ended up having a transition class. Yeah. Um, and that is not where you want to be. Like Texas Tech kind of nailed it. So let's I mean Texas Tech has 20 plus commits in this upcoming class. They've got a really nice head start on 2023 as well with Joey McGuire. And now you're seeing kind of the flip side. Okay, if you don't get the guy in immediately for whatever reason, you can be behind the eight ball. So that's kind of
1: where I see TC right now. Is my read correct? Yeah, I think that's fair. Um so I feel like the staff did a good job with the time they had. Mm-hmm. Um, now, a lot of their class is honestly SMU guys. Like, they're the big crown jewel of this class is Jordan Hudson, who was committed to SMU for a long time. He's a wide receiver from Garland, a four-star talent. His teammate Chance Biddle, a four-star mm-hmm. safety, also um, from Garland, also a one-time SMU commit. And they're able to hold on to a few of the guys that were committed um, under Gary Patterson, like Major Everhart, they, and then they added some names like Josh Hoover, a quarterback from Rockwall Heath. But all in all, they signed nine people yesterday. So they were they're 61st in the nation, they're ninth in the Big 12. Now Sonny Dyke said in his press conference, now whether this was whether this is spin doctor or real, I don't know. But he said that they could have signed like 25 kids, but they took a more deliberate approach because you know they just wanted to make sure they have the right guys. I don't know if that's just PR talk or that. if that's real, um, but the the big flip for me, if you want to talk about the class, um, is they got Dominic Williams, who is a 6'2", 325 and twenty five pound defensive tackle from California. Mm. He was committed to Cal, um, and this is the biggest piece of the class to me. Not because he's the highest rated guy, but they were they're moving to a three three five scheme with Joe Gillespie. And as of right now, like, I don't know who their nose tackle would be. Like, this this dude might be first on the depth chart. I don't think he will be when fall camp starts. But they don't really have anybody with this body type. Like, you need a nose guard that takes the space and can take on double teams. Um, and their DTs are kind of small and undersized. So they need players like this, and that was a good pickup. Um, Sunday Dikes also said yesterday that they're looking to take in 20 transfers. So I think that's going to be how they make up – for this class and they use the transfer so portal kids they use the transfer portal really well at smu like that was what they did but it was a much easier pitch at smu because they took in guys that were mostly from texas that washed out at power five programs so it was like oh okay you know it didn't work out for you at texas it didn't work out for you at oklahoma it's okay come home come back to dallas you can play right away you know we have an exciting offense here we'll get you involved and so that was where a lot of their talent came from you know you saw shane Bouchelle. You saw Tanner Mordecai, like dudes who couldn't crack the starting lineup somewhere else coming to SMU. That's not going to work. I don't think at a power five level. Um, So they'll have to go with a different type of player, but yeah, they're looking to fill in with the transfer portal. I think the 2023 class will be much better. I mean, they, they have invested in recruiting, uh, but they had two weeks and it didn't really pan out like they wanted it to. Um, So, you know, that's what you have to live with. And, now you have to go make up for it and try to fill a lot of roster holes uh, in the portal. Cause you don't have, I mean, you just don't have the bodies in this high school class. Right. And
0: Terrence cooks is a guy going to get his transfer coming over from Texas. Now I will say one thing that is a big feather in sunny dice cap. And you mentioned it—his ability to kind of poach talent from elsewhere. So I think that's where you're, you know, you're thinking about portal guys, guys that can get in um, and kind of build that way. So that's, that's what you're looking at, but you know, it's, I mean, everybody's talked about this this year, like you know, how many guys are in the portal and how competitive. I mean, there are a lot of teams that need people. I know it's not going to be, you know, not all thousand guys are going to get spots, right? But there are a lot of teams that need that need guys. And um, I, I think, you know, TC is going to be one of those teams that's going to be very active in that space. Now, the big question is, are they going to continue to be one of those teams that's really active in that space? You know, does their next does their class next year have? Because I promise you, they did not. I mean, it was not a situation where they wanted to sign twenty. Like, if they could have signed those kids, they would have signed them. Right? I just that's that's how stuff works. There are some people where you know, I believe Billy Napier when he said that. Right? He talked about, hey, w- you know, this is not going to be a class. He said ahead of time, this is not going to be a class. We're signing a ton of dudes. We're just going to give you guys a heads up now. We're going to make sure we get our kind of player in here. Did Sonny make any kind of claim like that before, ahead of time, or anything like that? No,
1: not necessarily. The The funny thing about Sonny and his staff is, so like Rashad Samples, their running backs coach and assistant head coach, like he is a recruiter. That is what he does. Like that's why he's he's 26 years old, I believe. And the reason he's risen in the rank so quickly is because he is a great recruiter. Um, and then they brought in Brian Carrington, who was on the Texas staff when Tom Herman was there. And his jobs recruiting. So they're investing in this. Uh, and that was sort of their reputation at SMU. But like if you look at SMU's classes for at the you know the high school level, like who they brought in, it, the numbers weren't fantastic. Now you're somewhat limited at SMU, but they really became a transfer portal school. So I don't know mm-hmm. how they kind of shift that at TCU. Um, but no, I mean he said. You know, he just said recruiting was all about relationships. That's basically all he said. He didn't come out with this statement until yesterday that they could have gone and gotten 20 guys, which I guess they could have, right? Like they could have just signed a bunch of high school kids from the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex, um, but they claim they're more deliberate about it. And I also think that some some dudes just simply didn't flip on them. Like they lost some, they lost some kids that were committed under Gary Patterson that I, I feel like they thought were pretty solid um, that either left for Texas Tech or – you know, in Cade McConnell's case, an offensive lineman he left for Minnesota. Like, they just lost some battles um, that they thought they were probably going to win. And then you end up with a smaller class.
0: Yeah, that, that is how that happens. Um, anything else, Stephen, from yesterday that it just kind of caught your eye? A whole lot of kids
1: picking up hats, you know, throwing the wrong hats aside. Okay, so I don't know a lot about the story. I need to look more into it, but um, I saw Stadium was doing like a – Interview. They interviewed a lot of prospects yesterday, and were having guys make decisions. And one kid got up there and did an interview, and then told everybody that he wasn't making a decision until February. And apparently, I, it the deal was sponsored by Takis, so he just held up a bag of like Takis hot fries, and like that was his. That was his. It was. It was.
0: It was the. It was the press conference to let him know that he's going to have another press conference.
1: Yeah, I like it. I mean, so yeah, recruiting like. I okay, I know it's really important and I pay attention to TC recruiting closely because it's part of my job. Um, but man, I just like top five lists and top ten lists, I can't I can't. They're
0: kids, man. They're ki- like it's it's just so much. And here's the thing, it's like, look, to all I always mention this, I said it before the episode the other day with, with, with E.I. Letterman. I said, look, all you fans out there, all right, these are kids. This is their moment in the sun. Once it's over, this is they are now another player, right? They are now 14 yeah. or 84 or 51. That's who they are. This is their moment to be special, to be courted. They will not always get the decision right. They, they might not always pick the right place. So if a kid goes to where it doesn't play, you should not be on Twitter being like, yo, yeah, 17-year-old's not playing. You know, you should kind of, like, don't do that. Like, just let these kids have their day it's going to be okay. (laughs) Like we obsess over this kind of stuff. It is important. It is a future of your program, but ultimately a lot of this does come to and for, for a majority of schools. Ultimately what this comes down to is how good is your coach at evaluating talent and then coaching them up. So for most of us, that's how it works. And if you're a fan of one of those schools where it's not how it works and it's about that top tier, top tier guys. All right. Don't, you know, don't be angry. A guy went somewhere and didn't pick your school. It's not personal um you know everybody it's fine it'll be okay all right steven where can people find you in your work
1: i'm at some cock steven on twitter the show is at locked on TCU. um i tried to put out some fun facts yesterday about the commits when they committed um i sort of like quote tweeted stuff from the cc football account so if you want to check that on the locked on tcu account you can and then locked on horn frogs is wherever you get your podcasts
0: awesome awesome you can find me uh, at josh neighbors underscore you can find the show at lo big 12 wherever you guys get your podcasts and on YouTube till next time, my friends as always stay safe.